Thanks for being with us today. It's Todd Zwillick, and we're looking at the future of the political parties in America all this week and next. Now, next week, it's the GOP. And Republicans, remember, we want to hear from you on the state and the future of your party. So call us at 8778-MY-TAKE. But this week, the Democrats. Howard Dean has been on the inside of Democratic politics for decades. He was a six-term governor in Vermont, a presidential candidate in 2004, and chairman of the Democratic National Committee from 2005 until 2009. Now, Dean is known among Dems for arguing the party shouldn't give up the South or the Midwest, that it should play in all 50 states. Well, now, Howard Dean says it's time for his generation to move over, and he says Democratic wins in Virginia earlier this month prove it. Our most important age group is under 35. And the stats in Virginia were unbelievable. Between the ages of 18 and 30, 69% of people voted Democratic. Now, that's a number I, you don't see that number among age group demographics. So I think it was a very big deal for the Democrats, partly because we have to realign, as the Republicans do, and the Virginia election this year was a big piece of that. All right. The Virginia results are great if you're a Democrat governor, but are you sure that the reckoning's going really, really well? I mean, couldn't those results in Virginia be about a party divided, the Republicans, and a president leading that party somewhere around 34 percent, and you better win, you know? Given the... Look, we can't control what Trump is and does, but what we can control is getting the effort out, raising the money, most importantly, recruiting young people. So, yeah, sure, it was, Trump gave us an assist, but the, the real important piece was the recruiting and the turnout of millennials, or first globals, as I call them, uh, into the political process, and they meant it. Now, there's some problems. We're going to have a lot of problems still. We have to figure out what kind of an institution they want to join. They're not going to join the DNC, and they're mostly not even consider themselves Democrats, but they vote with us all the time because our values are the same. So then how important is it for the DNC, for the Democrats who plan the primaries and the caucuses to open up that process? Look, with the inside baseball, there's a big debate inside the DNC now, Governor, which I know you're familiar with, uh, about what it means to be a Democrat in the future and whether Democrats need to be more open to independents or people without a D next to their name. You seem to be saying, yes, they better be. Yes, they better be, but let's not do this in a hypocritical manner to benefit the, in, the, the interests of the current candidates or possible candidates. If it's a good thing to open up our primaries to independents, it's also a good thing to get rid of the caucuses, which are incredibly undemocratic. You can't vote if you're infirm, if you have two jobs, if you're a soldier. Uh, you can't vote absentee. So let's democratize the party, not as a part of the Hillary versus Bernie fight, which I wish would sh- these people would shut up because we got to look towards 2020 and 2018 and not backwards. But let's really democratize the party. And by the way, democratizing the party does not mean getting rid of the uh, superdelegates. The superdelegates are there for a reason. We democratized the party the last time and got rid of the people who were superdelegates. None of the elected officials went to the convention. The way to deal with superdelegates, if you want to make it more democratic, is not to get rid of them. It's simply to bind them in the same percentage so that they have to vote in the same percentage their states did. That's the fair way to do it and the smart way to do it. Look, you were always a big proponent when you ran the DNC and even before of not having a Democratic Party that was a regional party. You said all 50 states, let's run credible candidates in 50 states, let's raise money in all 50 states and compete in all 50 states. You know, even Arkansas, a place where Democrats uh, haven't won since Bill Clinton. 
Um, what's the future of that? Is it the economic message? Is it the is it the populist, progressive Bernie Sanders message that's going to do that for Democrats? It is a version of that. Um, here's what you have to understand about our target group, which is the young people of this country. Um, they are socially very, very liberal, what would be called in today's uh, jargon, but the, I think actually conservative and liberal are now inoperative. For this generation, they value human rights and social justice, but they also value libertarian economic policies. So there is a disconnect even in the older leadership and the old way of sort of looking at the left and the new way. The new way has a narrower bandwidth ideologically. They're more conservative about economics, say, than the left wing of the Democratic Party, but that is overridden and will be for some time uh, because of the far-right social policies of the Republican Party. It makes it impossible for young people to vote for Republicans. Republicans in general elections at the same time, Governor, get very excited about the prospect of highlighting some of the social agenda of members of the Democratic coalition. You know, it's fine in a Democratic primary. It's fine when liberals fight it out over racial identity or gender identity, things like this. I think Republicans think they salivate for general elections when they can still paint Democrats as beholden to some groups that maybe moderate Midwestern voters just don't connect to. Look, we are who we are. We're certainly not going to abandon racial justice. We're not going to abandon social justice. We're not going to abandon women's rights. We're not going to abandon gay rights. We're not going to abandon our notion of an optimistic America moving forward, including everybody. And I would remind my conservative friends that capitalism fails unless everybody gets included. I'm for capitalism. It's the best, most efficient system we've ever had. But if it's not going to succeed, we will kill capitalism if we exclude people as we are currently doing. This tax bill, for example, is a joke. It is favors all the people who already have billions of dollars and takes money from the middle class in order to pay for it, including attacking Medicare, which I think is insane. I mean, I can't make up my own mind whether the Republicans are worse off if it passes or better off if it passes. Because if it does pass, we're going to kick their butts in 2018. And if it doesn't pass, they have to answer all the questions from inside the beltway about how come they didn't get anything done. This is just stupidity, this tax bill that they're doing. And they did it with health care. I do not know what this Republican Party is doing, but they certainly seem to me to be pushing the self-destruction button. Well, look, that self-destruction in the Republican Party to the extent that it's going on and, and the president's unpopularity has to help Democrats to some degree, Governor. But do you think that Democrats are doing enough right now to give voters a positive reason to go Democratic? The base always will. Moderates might be turned off to Donald Trump, but Democrats tell me all the time it's not enough to have Donald Trump at 34. Uh, Democrats need a positive message and a place where voters really want to go. In 2020, that's true. But in 2018, it's wishful thinking and inside the beltway, which is synonymous with completely out of touch with reality, <laughs> um, writers and polit politicians. So here's the story. Look back at look at the facts. The facts are in 2010, we got our you know what's kicked because President Obama was not popular. We lost 67 seats. The only item on the ballot was whether President Obama was popular or not. So in 2018, having Donald Trump being much more unpopular than President Obama was uh, is going to work just fine for us. It will not work in 2020. You cannot have a candidate. This past election was a somewhat of an exception. But you cannot have a candidate win without a positive message. It's not just about how awful Trump is. That's going to help because he's an incumbent. What we really have to have is a positive message. 
I have firmly said again and again and again, I would like to run a candidate for the presidency who is under 50, but I'll settle for under 55. We need a young candidate who's going to talk about this next generation, this first global generation. Um, and so I'm very hopeful that we'll, somebody like that will emerge. And it'll be against the odds because there are going to be some people in my generation who will run. I think that's fine. I think they're great people. I think our time has come and gone in my generation. So, Howard Dean, it sounds like uh, your prescription for 2018 is Democrats can skate on the unpopularity of, of President Trump. But then in 2020, they're going to need a presidential candidate and an identity who's under 55. And what else? Who is that person? It uh, could be anybody. Um, you know, the, our electorate, our core, the kids, the young people under 35 who elected Barack Obama president. It's the first time in my life, only time in my life, where in 2008 we're more people under 35 voted than over 65, uh, those folks are going to choose a candidate. And I want them to see candidates that look like them. They loved Barack Obama because he was multicultural, and they this generation believes they're multicultural. So it could be a lot of wide variety of people. I have four candidates that I talk about. So it would be Chris Murphy from Connecticut, uh, Kamala Harris uh, from California, Kirsten Gillibrand from New York, the last one is Eric Garcetti, the mayor of Los Angeles. Those are four candidates who I think would be really interesting and each attractive in their own way to the core constituencies of our party. Uh, but there are others. There are plenty of other really good candidates. Some of Seth Moulton is talking about it. Cory Booker is talking about it. There's lots of people, young people, that are talking about running for president. And I think that's great. And that is what we need. I ex fully expect to have 10 or 15 people at the starting line. And the question is, can they raise the money? Can somebody in that generation raise the money? And I don't know what the answer to that is, and we're going to find out. Now, Governor, if we bring it back to the sort of the internal debates going on with the DNC now that most of the public really doesn't attend to, and, and I guess they shouldn't, uh, there is a huge argument, as you know, going on between those Bernie supporters, those progressives, and the establishment wing of the Democratic National Committee. And it's not just an argument because those Bernie supporters say, and they tell reporters all the time, that if they don't get their concessions here, if they don't see a Democratic Party that's more open to their priorities, uh, they're gone, that they're going to pull all of their chips right out of the Democratic coalition and continue running independent candidates from the outside. And Guess if you're what? a Democrat, that's not going to be good. Guess what? They don't have any say. The truth is the people who talk like that are a very small percentage of the Bernie coalition. Eighty percent of Bernie's voters voted for Hillary. And there are some people who are older who are I call the sourpuss party. That is, they really actually don't want to win. What they really want to do is complain from an armchair and be continue to be perfect while the world isn't. I'm interested in people, and I think the vast majority of Bernie supporters, while disappointed, worked really hard for Hillary because they knew that Hillary Clinton, as Bernie himself said, would be a whole lot better president than Donald Trump. So I think that fighting inside the DNC is a waste of time. It's a waste of everybody's time. And what I say to everybody is get with the program. We have got to build a country that we can be proud of and build a country that our children can be proud of. They're going to do a lot of the building. We should stop already in this uh, tempest in a teapot and stop litigating the last election. There were plenty of wrongs of all sorts. Stop litigating the last election and start working on the next election. If you care about the public, if you don't care about the public and you're more interested in yourself and your own self-aggrandizement, be my guest, but don't get in my way. Governor Howard Dean of Vermont, former chairman of the Democratic National Committee, on the future of the Democratic Party and that very Democratic National Committee. Governor, thanks so much. Thank you. 
At Radiolab, we love nothing more than nerding out about science, neuroscience, chemistry. But, but we do also like to get into other kinds of stories. Stories about policing or politics, country music, hockey, sex of bugs. (laughs) Regardless of whether we're looking at science or not science, we bring a rigorous curiosity to get you the answers. And hopefully make you see the world anew. Radiolab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get your podcasts.